slowly making our way through the book of Colossians, and we'll get there. Um, I told our group on Wednesday I had not received more comments about a message in a long time as I received last week. And I realize it stirs things in us because all of us are guilty of offending someone or being offended. There's not a soul in here who hasn't had to have both of those situations. And I wrote down that there's and it's not just our congregation, but any congregation, I think you would find that there's maybe five categories that people would fit in dealing with this issue of forgiveness. And number one is that you're live, living with it now. The hurt and the hurting by being either the offender or the offended is real. It's now. You have offended someone and you haven't sought forgiveness of it or you're on the other end of that spectrum and you've been offended and you have a that hasn't been resolved. Number two, you're in forgiveness. Uh, no one has ever taught you what the Bible has to say about forgiveness. I mean, you've been told all your life, forgive and forget. forget. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. So you don't know what the Bible says. You've been hanging on to your your offense, and you don't know what to do with it because nobody's ever taught you scripturally what you're supposed to do with it. We're going to solve that today. Or three, you've been taught incorrectly what the Bible says. The forgive and the forget maybe, maybe applies better here. Um, you've been taught that <coughs> forgiveness is only given to those who repent. That's only half the truth. And I'll mention this again. In the Scripture, we're going to find that the Bible realizes and accepts that there are two people. There's the offender and there's the offended. And guess who the Bible puts the responsibility of reconciliation on? Both of them. There are verses dealing with the offender who say, if you remember somebody's got all against you, leave your offering, go be reconciled to your brother. That's his verse. That's not your verse. Your verse says, forgive. Whether he comes back or not. Well, how can that be? Is it, is it forgiveness based upon repentance? If we confess our sins, he's... Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. See, you've got to confess your sins to get the Lord's forgiveness, right? That's only half. And for those that are offended, that's a good verse to hang on to. Because I don't have to, because they've never asked. Hmm, really? You won't like today's message then. So you're living with it now. You have never been taught what the Bible says. You have maybe only been taught half of what the Bible says. Been maybe incorrected or only partial truth. Uh, fourthly, you've lived with forgiveness. And although you've got the scars to prove it, forgiveness is being lived out in your life and reconciliation may or may not have happened. What if the person's dead? that mean you go through life and you can't ask for forgiveness or you can't seek forgiveness from a dead person? Mm. Or number five, you're living with unforgiveness and I've seen this in ministry. You're living with unforgiveness and you're using it as a way to punish someone like a club. Because you don't want to understand, because you know at the moment you do, you won't have that over them any longer. 
We do this in our homes between couples. Well, honey, I'm sorry. Well, if you'll get me a cup of coffee, maybe I'll forgive you. <laughs> and a danish. And feed the dog. And we keep adding to it. We, we like it. It's, I mentioned when I was sick and in Florida there was a group of people, just a core of people, a few people, a, a, a half, half basically, that said that when they started getting better, they would actually fight it because they liked being sick. Because they got all the tension. That had been their life for years. And you start sucking the poisons out and they start increasing in weight and start increasing in strength and they realize, mm, I'm going to have to go home and do the laundry. And I haven't done it in five years because I've made my husband do it. We can do that with unforgiveness. As I said, the Bible assumes and assures us and acknowledges that there will be and you will be offended or the offender sometime in your Christian walk. Stories told of a guy that was, I've told this before, found him marooned on a South Pacific island by himself and they came to rescue him and, and he was there and he'd been there for years. And I'm great, how you doing? Wonderful. Then they looked and here's a church that he had built. And, oh, that's great, you built a church. And what's that church? And, well, I split from that church. Well, you're the only one on the island. Okay. The Bible puts the responsibility of forgiveness on both parties. In our text that you read as a response of reading, I want to pick, us up, pick it back up in verse 10. I'm going to read through verse 13. And put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there's not Greek or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Well, the Lord didn't know what my pain would be or He wouldn't have written that, really. Hmm. In this whole chapter, we've been dealing with the changes that are coming to the believer and it will affect every era of your life. Beginning in verse 5, we find out there's things that we don't do anymore. We put to death those things that are earthly in us, sexual immorality, impurity, passions... In verse 8, we find that we put some things away. We put away anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from our mouth. And we don't lie to anymore to each other. We put those things off. But we start putting on in verse 10. It's like clothes. We're putting on a new set of clothes. We're sliding into these new clothes. And as I said when I preached that text, we all have those old pair of blue jeans that we like. And we've got them broke in. And it's taken years to get them break, broken in. And we're used to them. And they're comfortable. And we're comfortable that way in our skin. In our skin. We like our old ways. And we like holding on to things like our forgiveness and unforgiveness. We admit that there's a battle going on, a process. This is called progressive sanctification is what we're dealing with. And can I say here too, we, we sang about this, that about His mercies anew and God's patient with us. I mean, if God thumped you in the head every time you sinned or did something wrong, how many? How long would it take for you to have brain damage? Like two minutes or a, yes. at least in a day, right? Okay. He's patient with us. And yes, every time we come to Him and say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me. I did it again. I did it again. And what does it say? How many times will I forgive you? Every time you ask. He's patient with us. People 
to be patient with us. We want people to be patient with us too, don't we? Be patient with us as we mature and grow in the Lord. A friend of mine that was special ops and military and and he met a young lady after after his years as a, 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 a seal and she led him to the Lord and he came home and after years and started cleaning out houses and one day I called him and he was going he was in Spartanburg and I was sending him somewhere and his tire went flat his name was Steve and then I called back two tires were flat and I said brother how you doing I said are you praising the Lord he said you got to be patient with me man <laughs> I'm reverting back to my old ways and my old language is coming out okay I need the Lord to be patient with me that's right yeah yeah we want the Lord we know the Lord's patient with us but we want people to be patient as we're growing in grace and the knowledge we won't always get it right right Sometimes we're less patient in understanding with the path the maturity of other people. What happens sometimes we assume a level of spirituality and they're not there yet. Or even if they are, they haven't perfected it, right? Okay. Right kind of heat, the right kind of hot water test will bring out sometimes the old tea bag and, and that old stuff still it's it's God reminds us it ain't gone yet. Right? People let us down, don't they, and disappoint us. And sometimes we get disillusioned by what we see and experience with others. This is why sometimes it's easier to work with unbelievers than it is believers. Because you have a level of, ex of expectation with the believer and what happens when that person doesn't meet that expectation. You're not expecting that lost guy. You don't have that expectation of them. People let us down. They disappoint us. They even offend us. In 1836, the American Board of Missions wanted to start a mission out in Oregon. And they sent two couples, Marcus Whitman and Henry Spaulding. What was not known at the time, or not realized, it was known at the time, but what's sometimes not told in the story is a few years earlier, Henry Spaulding was engaged to Marcus Whitman's, well, wasn't wife at the time, but her, okay? So now you're going to put these two couples in the same wagon for five months, eating around the same campfire, traveling in the same wagon, sleeping in the same tent. And sometimes that remembrance of you were engaged to him came back to light. And contention got so bad between them that when they arrived in Oregon, they went their separate ways. And God used that. God used that. He started, they started two missions instead of one. But that's the reality, isn't it? That would try the most spiritual of people. I mean, I've already heard testimony of some people that drove out to Utah and need to be counseled. Okay? It'll do it, brother. Tell you. My brother and his wife decided to take their, 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 their daughter and her husband and their five kids out to, out to uh, Yellowstone and all points in between and all this kind of stuff. I'd have said, I'd have made it as far as Knoxville. You can let me out. <laughs> I mean, I love you, but I don't love you that much. Okay. But you know, it is, right? You know, you get squeezed in with people long enough and it don't work. In a situation like that, we may even count a situation that they didn't realize at the time that that's not probably the wisest thing to do for Whitman and Spalding to be in the same tent and everything for five months together. Maybe, maybe some space would have been good. Sometimes we're too idealistic in our thoughts, aren't we? 
and our expectations. But the fact is, complaints and quarrels happen between believers. And so what do we do? What will we do when complaints, quarrels rise between us? Look with me at verse 13 is where we are, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Complaint is one believer feels another believer, um, or the word complaint there that's used later on in the text for complaint against another forgiving, that, that text, not the one bearing, but the complaint against the other forgiving him, is, is that you feel like the other believer is at fault. There's a debt that's owed. There's an obligation that not, was not fulfilled. It was failed. And it, and it could be unknowingly. doesn't have to be with malice and forethought. It just means that you had an expectation of that person that they were going to do something and they didn't do it. And now you're a, you, you've got a complaint against them. And again, they, they, they may have not... Thought they, they gave you that much information. They didn't, they didn't think that you thought that they were going to fulfill that. They were just saying, if I had time, I'll do so and so. So I'm saying it, it could be with malice and forethought that they made a promise to you and chose not to keep it, or you thought they'd made a promise to you. Either way, you've got a complaint. And as I mentioned in this, where does God place the burden or the resolution for that problem. You have been offended, and this person's offended you. God places responsibility on both of you. But in this text, on you. Colossians 3 is to the offended. Matthew 5 is to the offender. If you go to the altar with your offering, and you remember your brother has ought against you, you leave it, go be reconciled to your brother, then come back and make your offering. That's to him. That's not to you. This one's to you. What am I supposed to do? I'm to forgive them. Well, he does give us two words here, Pastor. There are two words. He's got forbearing or bearing with one another and forgiving. Which, which one are you talking about? Well, both. The forbearing there, the bearing with, it means to endurance. It means to put up with something. It, it means that what they're doing is not sin, but it sure is irritating. <laughs> it bothers you. And the scripture calls you to bear up under that. In Ephesians 4, you don't have to turn to this, but let me read it to you. Therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner of the calling in which you are called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. There it is. Just an irritant. I mentioned, how many of you went to college and... You got in there and you started rubbing armpits and armpits with people and you found out this guy doesn't take a bath like he used to and he hadn't cleaned his sheets in four months. and, and Or, as my roommates, in my four years at, at Bob Jones University, I never had a student to have the, uh, a roommate to have the flu in my room. Because on days like this, the window was open. I froze it. Well, I had a roommate from Florida. He didn't think too much of that. In fact, it, it, it got some good ribbing back and forth. But after a while, he came to me and he says, this is really an issue. Okay? It wasn't a sin thing. You could say, well, you weren't being considerate of him or, or, or whatever. You could put it in that thing. But it wasn't, I wasn't mean or malice. I was just trying to keep us from getting sick. Going to disregard, that's fine. It's a difference of likes and dislikes. You have these in marriage. You may have been raised in a home that um, you're a spreadsheet person. If you're not ten minutes early, you're what? Late. You may have married a person if they're fifteen minutes late, they're early. 
You know, you guys that are married, women are married, yeah, you're right, yeah. Tooth sweetening the toothpaste in the middle, toilet paper rolling from the top or the bottom, all those little things, not putting the milk back where it was, or drinking out of the milk jug. <laughs> and all your spit sloshing back inside the milk. <laughs> I'll share one with you. Potato chip bags. I grew up with a man that was in the military. When you open a potato chip bag, you pulled it so that it went across the top. And if it wouldn't, you could cut it, but it was to be across the top. They didn't get that. <laughs> and when they open potato chip bag, it's God have mercy. I mean, <laughs> wherever it's going to go. I mean, I've seen splits down the side of the bag. I mean, and and it's it 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 was it was an irritant. But now, among the brother-in-laws, we we send pictures back and forth. Now, look into what I found in the pantry, <laughs> or the crackers. You know, that come in a sleeve. I mean, I was you, you got so it goes down that that. Remember that that section right there? You you've never like that, okay? And I found that one end works better than the other. For some reasons, one end opens better than the other. Uh-uh. <laughs> and when she preaches that message, this message, she can tell about mine. Okay? But if we're not careful, we let those little irritants get under us. What are we supposed to do? You're to bear with those people. You know, we believe we're nice people. And people should be like you. Your grandmother or my mother told you you're a fine young man. And everybody should get along with this. I got news for you. There are people that hate you. Not because you've offended them, just because you are you. Okay? They can't stand you. They are so glad they're not married to you. And the really reality of that is, you're glad you're not married to them too. Right? Okay. We are to be as believers of a generous spirit. Big hearted. And above those irritations. I think it was D.L. Moody that told the story. It may not have been him, but sitting on the front porch and going down the sidewalk was a bulldog, and behind that bulldog was a little teeny chihuahua or something just nipping at his heels. And in his story, D.L. Moody jumps off and says, Lord, give me that kind of attitude, and he was talking about it toward the church. But what I'm saying is this, that's the kind of thing we need to be towards irritants. They, are, we don't, they don't bother us. We're like that bulldog, and they, they're there. That's fine. Or you could be like an elephant and gnats around them and they, don't, they just swing their ears. It's, it's an irritant, but ain't no big deal. And it says there, one another. It's a different pronoun than he uses for forgiving each other in the text. The one another here are relationships of give and take. These are reciprocal what I'm saying is all of us are going to have irritants of some kind about somebody that you're going to forbear with and they're going to do the same to you. That's how we, that's where we live. You do it at home, you do it here. And I'm afraid sometimes if we're not careful, these become the basis of church splits. They're nothing more than personality things. And there's no reason at all for it. In fact, to an outsider looking at some church split, they, they scratch their heads. What in the world are they doing? I know a church that split. In fact, you could go to the church. It's down not far from my home. A church where on one side has brown shingles and on the other side has black shingles. I can show you because they couldn't agree. So they put one on the other. And the church just about went to blows over it. The pastor came up with the solution. We'll do half and half. 
Can I tell you something? When it comes time to put shingles on something, your elders aren't going to ask you. Okay? There's no place for that. And see, to an outsider looking at that, say, are you kidding me? They can't even they can't even agree on shingles. Well, it happens. It hurt feelings happen, and what we're called to do is forbear. Forgiving is a step beyond that. Look at it, and forgiving. And if anyone has a complaint, a quarrel against another, he is to forgive. It's a step beyond it involves the dismissal of a genuine indebtedness. It is dismissing the debt. Someone has wronged you, I choose to dismiss it. Similar to this, and I didn't put it in my notes, similar to this is Paul's argument with the church at Corinth about those that are suing each other and going to court over them. You remember what he said? Why don't you just take the wrong? Yes. That's it. You may have a legitimate thing in it. Just take it. Yes. Is it worth splitting everybody over? Just dismiss it. And for forgiveness to happen, it does involve sin. It's different than the first one, and it's not sin. It's just irritants, but here we are dealing with sin. It's planned out. Maybe... You, he promised you something. He didn't come through. He's, he said something to hurt your good name. He has an obligation to you. He stole something from you. What are we to do? We're to forgive. Forgive who? Each other. Different pronoun. It's one another. If someone would sin against you, you must forgive. These are, ex are understanding that this will happen. It's not like the first one that we're going to live in this reciprocal thing. This is an acknowledgement that this person has offended me. Because if it's not handled... It doesn't take long for bitterness to sit in. And I can tell you where bitterness leads. It leads to blaming God for it. We got this book just yesterday in the mail from Voice of the Martyrs. It's when faith is forbidden. 40-day study on that. Melody picked it up. You'll understand in just a minute why... I asked her to give me the book. This is in the introduction of the book. The writer says, and we're leaving for the airport. Here's the first lesson. Pack likely. Many Christians are journeying through life carrying more baggage than they should be. Instead of one check bag and one carry-on, they're trying to take six check bags and three huge carry-ons. They load up the cart to push through the airport, but, but then they, they can't even see where they're going to push the cart. They're thinking more about where they are now about than about their final destination, and they're carrying way too much. And just as airlines charge a passenger for overweight bags, these believers are paying a price for carrying too much weight. Maybe your extra bag is unforgiveness you're carrying a grudge that's making your bag way too heavy maybe it's unconfessed sin perhaps you're carrying too many material possessions that keep you from thinking enough about your real home maybe it's busyness your schedule is so packed that you can't even take the time to enjoy the places that you're visiting it. Our bags are overweight with bitterness. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Look at verse 15. See to it that 
no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many would become defiled. Sometimes that root of bitterness can grow big, and when it's finally popped, it goes over everybody. That anger comes out. And it's not just to the person that's offended you. It's everybody around you. I've seen it happen in families. Mom and daddy finally pass away. And the kids are there to break up what's left of the estate. And sins that happened 20 years ago explode and separate families. And brothers and sisters don't talk to themselves, each other anymore. They're kin because this bitterness, this root of bitterness was never handled and now it's exploded over everybody. Sometimes they hit a raw nerve. Sometimes these offenses are the straw that broke the camel's back. You ever had those? You took it up so long, you got, you got so far, but I can only carry so much, Pastor. Well, you should have handed them way back over here. If they were that offensive to you, don't wait till you got ten of them. Yeah. Do the first one. Sometimes they have not been forgiven for years and spring up and hurt many. Listen, Satan will... Expose those wounds and hurt you and hurt many with you. A solution to this root of bitterness we find here in forgiveness to one another. Look with me back at our text, forgiving each other. I'll talk about more about it, but I want to finish the text. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Even as Christ has forgiven you, or just as. So are we to give, forgive like Christ forgives? Is Christ our pattern of how we forgive? Well, yeah, that's true. But that ain't all. He's not only the pattern, He's the motivation for the forgiveness. As Christ has forgiven you, you forgive. I've been forgiven is the motive why I forgive. A friend of mine up in the mountains, name's Benji. He was down in Spartanburg and found a truck that he'd been looking for and saw it on a lot and pulled in and called his bank and says, hey, can you put such and such money in my account? When I get back, we'll set up the loan. They do the banker, and oh yeah, I'll put that money in there. And you can just go ahead and write a check for the truck, and then when we get back, we'll, we'll set up on payment. So that's great, great. Well, before he could get back, he had, a, he had an older truck, and he decided, man, I'm, I'm going to get this new truck. I don't need this truck, and it, it's not worth much, but I'm, I'm going to give it to a friend of mine, and, and guy, you, you can just pay me, you know, $100 a month or something until we get the truck paid for, something like that, but you know, don't, 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 overstretch yourself and I, I want to be a blessing to you but you know you can pay me for the truck so okay that's great wonderful so he got all that worked out and he gets back to the bank and a month goes by two months goes by and the bank's never called him about setting that on for payments so he finally stops by the bank and sees the bank manager and he said uh, you know I, I called here two months ago you put the money in my account and everything she goes I, got, I don't know what you're talking about he said excuse me she said, I've got no record of us ever doing that. You don't owe anything for the truck. I've never had a banker like that. You ever had a banker like that? <laughs> My banker remembers exactly what I owe him. Okay. Wow. And he said, I, I don't know what to say. She said, well, just praise the Lord. And he said, well, if you find it later in a... You know, the bank gets audited and you find this, you know, $20,000 is what he paid for this truck. If you find this, you know, you got to let me know. Never, oh, never, never shut up. And if you, I could take you to the manager's day. She has no clue what how that happened. But Benji got a free truck. You know what Benji did? He called up the guy that gave him the other truck. He says, don't worry about paper. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Yeah. I forgive you for your debt. Why? Because I've been forgiven of yes. my debt. Was the bank the pattern? Yes. But was it also the motivation? Yes. I forgive because I've been forgiven. Turn to Matthew 18. This is the story that you should recognize about of the unforgiving servant. And I'm, I'm going to read this text. And Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother, will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus says, I, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants and when he began to settle one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents now you can look it up all you want it's it's anywhere from 16 to 116 million dollars in today's currency it's meant to be an amount that's just beyond all Get out. I've, I've seen it listed as much as $3.78 billion. I don't know how you get that, but it was just a monstrous amount. You couldn't, there's no way to pay it. And when he began to sell his 10,000 talents, and since he could not pay his master, he ordered him to be sold. Hey, you can't pay me. I'm going to sell your wife, I'm going to sell your kids, and I'm going to put you in jail until you can pay me. Verse 26, and the servant fell on his knees and implored him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. It's gone. Paid in full. If you want to say it that way. It's done. You owe nothing. When the same servant went out, verse 28, and he found a fellow servant who owed him a hundred denarii. About 30 bucks. He seized him and he began to choke him and pay me what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I'll pay you. And he refused and went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. Well, there were some fellow servants that saw that and take place and they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. And the master summoned him and said to him, You, what? Wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should you, ha should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all the debt so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive from the heart your brother. Ouch! You wicked servant. I mentioned Wednesday, I'm stumbling over verse 34. Who are these jailers that he's putting us with? The word is torturers. Tormentors. By definition, it's a guard whose function was to torment prisoners as a phase of their punishment. And he's saying, I'm going to do that to you if you don't forgive. And who's he talking to? His disciples. He's not talking to everybody. He's talking to disciples, which means he's talking to who? He's talking to us. What does it mean to be given over the tortures. If I don't forgive someone else because I have been forgiven this incredible debt, what debt? I was going to hell. Yes. 
I was going to burn forever for my sin against God and against man. And all of it's been dismissed. And it didn't cost me a thing. And you withhold forgiveness from somebody who owes you nothing much more than a dime. If you don't forgive people their sins against me, I will not forgive my sins, my daily will, will God if, if I won't forgive people their sins, will God forgive me of my daily sins? Well, wait, 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 wait. You know, before the Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm justified. I'm, I'm, I'm clothed in His righteousness. Yeah, that's there. That's my judicial standing. But I sin every day. Do you? Yeah, you do. And do you not need the Lord's continual cleansing to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins? Yes. yes. I'm not doing it, He said. If you won't forgive them their debts, neither will your Father forgive you your debts. Hmm. I've got a grudge against someone. When I lay down at night and ask the Lord to forgive me of my sins, is He forgiving them? Go with me to three texts. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This is, this is the crux of the matter. Is it hot in here? Is it just me? I can't believe it. 40, 14 degrees outside and we've got to turn the stinking air conditioner on. Okay, alright, here we go. Alright, we'll get done before anybody goes into shock. Alright? Hallelujah. Where else are we going? Matthew 6. Look at verse... Look at beginning verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Our ladies have gone through this, right? And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil... And then he explains. It's the only one part of the Lord's Prayer that he explains. For if, if, you, if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Forget it. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Verse 20, 25. And when you stand praying, forgive. And if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Now, if you got the ESV, there is no verse 26, is there? See that? It's because it's not in some of the manuscripts. But if you look down at the bottom, it is. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. One more. Luke chapter 6. Luke 6. Verse 37. Judge not, you'll be not judged. Condemn not, and you'll not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be what? Forgiven. we have an unforgiving spirit and we confess our daily sins to Him, is He going to forgive them? No. He is not. I know people whose life is literally a logjam of sins that they can't get victory over. And I wonder if that log jam is being held in by one log called unforgiveness. Mm. I'm just curious. So, Pastor, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got right standing with the Lord. I'm, I'm pure. I'm sinless before Him. That's right. But whom the Lord loves, He chastens, doesn't He? 1 Corinthians 11. First Corinthians 11. Lord's Supper. And 
Corinth church has made a mockery out of it. And he says in verse 30, because you're not judging, you're not judging, you're discerning the body. And he says, this is why many of you are weak and ill, and some of you have died. He's killed some of them. Mm -hmm. mm. Or Hebrews 12, go there. We've already been to Hebrews 12 a minute ago, but go back there to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 3. Consider him who endured for sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin that you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgiven the forgotten the exhortation that addresses you? My sons, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when He reproves you. For, for the Lord disciplines the ones He loves, and He chastens every son whom He receives. Hmm. I didn't answer the question. Who are the torturers? I think it's living under sin and sin's problems that you can't get rid of. And the stress and the hardship and the pressure and the difficulty that will remain until forgiveness is sought. And not God is not giving the aid that He could because of your unforgiving spirit. That's what I think. And I lived it. Ten years I lived in bitterness and anger and wrath and somebody had done me wrong and he was guilty, guilty of sin. And I, I dealt with that until God beat the absolute manure out of me. That's a Greek word, by the way, called dung. Okay? <laughs> Listen, your motive is that you have been forgiven. Yes. And that you'll stand before, the, before God and not have one sin to answer for. Do you realize that? And you'll be with Him for absolutely forever. And now someone lets you down or somebody sins against you and that person's dirt to you. You wouldn't give them a recommendation to be a dog catcher. I mean, am I just to let people sin against me and not deal with it? No. Forgiveness, here it is. Right here. Not y'all. Here is conditional. It is conditional. I can't forgive him his sin until he asks for it. When we ain't talking about this, we're talking about this. Yes. My heart attitude before the Lord is a heart that says, Lord, if you'll call, I'll forgive him. And I beg him to call. I pleaded for five years, Lord, please have him call. Please have him call. When that phone call came, it was the greatest day of my life. Eric's mic. I sinned against you. Will you forgive me? Yes! Because I already had. Yes. I forgive you. What do I do about people who who keeps sinning against me. I mean, they, uh, they're repeat offenders. You know I love you, right? You stinking hypocrite. You stinking hypocrite. How many times you have asked the Lord to forgive you of the same sin and He forgives you every time. How often am I forgive? Yeah. Every time they ask. 
And you know why we don't keep count? The person sends you against you 70 times. You know what number it is? It's always one. Yeah. It's always the first time. God, I've forgiven them. Forgiveness is a process. Matthew 18 tells us, if you brother sins against you, go to your brother how? Alone. Sometimes the confrontation has to happen. It did with mine and it didn't go anywhere. Pastor, am I just forgive? I'm not to confront? Sure, no, 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 no. you got to determine what sin it is. It, it, how, how grievous is this thing? Let me, let me give you a few points just, just to think through. Okay, my first question. The seriousness of the sin. How serious is it? I mean, is it, is it really, really something that I need to get at? Is, is it really bad or is it just... He didn't shake my hand and I think I could put that probably in not being warm-hearted and tender and affectionate towards me. I think that's it. Really? That's, that's how bad you want to make that? Really? Is it, is it, is it serious or not serious? If I, if I don't confront, does it, does it mean that there'll be repeat offenses? You know, well, if it keeps popping up, we've got to confront. We've got to say, hey, brother, can I tell you? That is offensive. Okay. Is it damaging the body of Christ? Or was it just against me? Is it subjective? He didn't say it quite right. The inflection of his word was a little off. You know, when you're bad with somebody, it doesn't take much for them to set you off, does it? Okay, they can just say the wrong word, the right word, the wrong way. Ugh. Is it really? Is it an openness of sin? Is it a clear violation of their motives? Is it subjective? And if all those are there, you go, I forgive. Love covers what? Multitude sins. But there's time, folks. Love doesn't cover it. Things have to be confronted. We'll talk about that in the days ahead. How do we confront? If he repeats it, forgive him. This is an attitude of forgiveness. I want to forgive. I've got a forgiving spirit. I, I want them to come. I prayed for Mike. I prayed that one day when he was giving his offering to the Lord, the Lord would break him. And that's exactly what happened. There's no excuse for not having a forgiving spirit, folks. How often? Many times as it happens. Matthew 18, verses 21, 22. Well, he doesn't mean it. Well, sure you want to live by that condition? You want the Lord to treat you like that? I'll forgive you five times of that, but you do it six, I'm not forgiving you. No. God's patient with us, isn't he? God understands our humanness. God, God understands those repeat offenses. And again, we're not talking about not helping people who have been repeat offenses. offenses. And by the way, don't, don't confuse forgiveness with consequences. There are consequences for sin. Years ago, I, I don't remember who the mass murderer was, but James Dobson or somebody had gone to prison and led him to the Lord, supposedly. We'll take it at face value. And he was about to be executed and there was a great mound of people that mounted up to say he's not the same man and needs to be forgiven. No. 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 
you get charged for murder and you get saved in prison, I'm going to rejoice, but I ain't going to pick it to court to change your sentence. Why? Because that's the consequence for your yeah. sin. It didn't change it. So we're not talking about not helping people to not do repeat offenses. We're not talking about it. it doesn't cost them something. There may be indeed consequences. They may have done something, oh, an employee of yours, that you, they're their brother, but they did something so vile that they, you had to fire them. And now you can't put them back in that position again. But we're talking about our forgiveness. And by the way, what is biblical forgiveness? I'll give you three things, and you need to know these. Three things. Biblical forgiveness is a promise of pardon. You are making a promise. I made a promise to Mike of pardon. I forgive you. What does that mean? It means, number one, that I promise not to bring this sin up to you again. I told you that when Mike and I get together now, we don't ever talk about this. You know why? It never happened. We don't talk about it. And I don't bring it up as a point. Well, see, you didn't use it. If you hadn't done that several years ago, we could have done it. No, 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 no. I made a promise of pardon. Number two, I promise not to bring it up to others. Oh, hang on. You promised. And if you come tell me something, I'm going to stop you. Did you promise them so and so? Yep. You lied. Mm -hmm. You're a liar. And thirdly, I promise not to rehearse this sin to myself. Now, I can talk about it now because it, it's a trophy of grace. Remember I, I told you a story about the fish heads that I buried? Yeah. And the dogs kept digging them up and every time they dug them up they stunk the worst and everything. I can take you to the place where the fish heads are good. 40 years later, I can take you to the exact spot. I, sure I remember where they are. Sure I remember this. But I don't bring it up like that anymore. Mm. It's a trophy of grace now. Yes. It's a blessing to know. And when Mike and I get together now, our fellowship is so sweet. We love each other. We've been roommates since 19, in 1980. We were roommates together. We serve together. We're pastoring together. Our wives are the, our best friends and it hurt them the most in all of that. Now, oh man, it's better than it ever was before. But I made a promise. Are you violating that promise? Probably technically, but that's not the way I mean it. Forgiveness means, listen, just bury it. Yes. Or we say bury the, bury the hatchet, right? <coughs> bury it. And stop digging it up. If you forgive someone and you bring it up to them again, you've now sinned against them. Pastor, you, you don't know. I don't. God does. I mean, I wish it was just simple, that simple, what you're talking about between you and Mike, but my, my, my scars are much deeper than that. I can't do it. You must do it. This is part of, back to our Colossians 3, this is part of setting our minds on things above and not on things of the earth, verse 2. What if someone's wounded me? I've got life scars. I'm feeling... I, I, listen, I, I hear what you're saying. And I get it intellectually. 
I understand it. And my will is being turned by it to say, I want to do that. But my feelings ain't there yet. Right? That's where it is. The hurt's real. Or as Paul says, my, I'm willing the things that I want to do. Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. His feelings and emotions can't be set aside. I, I've got grief. I've got hurt. And I don't want to be bitter. My mind and my head, no. My will, I want to, but boy, my inner man's not there yet, Lord. Greg Allen said the greatest prayer you could ever pray is, Lord, help me. Yes. Help me. I can't, I can't do it. Lord, help me. Do you think God will not help you? Lord, I will, I'll need your help. I will accept your ministry and not fight it. Some of you are fighting this message today. You've got, you're going to come up to me with all sorts of excuses. Keep them. I've heard them all. Now, if you need help, come ask me. But I've, I've used every excuse known to man. I've tried them. They don't work. Why? You must forgive. And I've tried every way in a Greek makeup of that text to do away with it. It's got to be suggestive. It's got to be if you want to or if you feel like it. And it's not there. You must forgive. Can I say this to you if you stay bitter? The only person you're going to damage is you. When you're letting a person hurt you every day of your life. Plead with Him to show me. And say, Lord, I want to forgive. Verse 13 is not in a vacuum. Look at it. How am I going to do that? Verse 14. You put on what? Love. You love them. You love them. Why? Because it binds everything together in perfect harmony. Pastor, my, my inner man is it's not at peace. It's it's stirred. It's it's it wants to fight this. What do you need? I need the peace of God to rule. Verse 15. I need the peace of God to umpire me. Call it. That's what you need. And you need the word of Christ to dwell, to reside in you richly. Teaching and admonishing everyone in all wisdom and songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And you become thankful in your heart. This is what I'm telling you. To the passion of your flesh and your desire and whatever I do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God through uh, the Father, through Him, that through Him I have forgiveness of sins and I can forgive. Close your Bibles. We're done. But I do want to ask you some questions. And you don't have to be honest with me. You just got to be honest with the Lord. And He knows the answer already, right? Do you have an unforgiving spirit? I mean, I've been preaching and there's probably for some of you as soon as I started down this thing, that person's face, that, that woman, that man, that situation popped in your head, and that's it. Right there. Do you have an unforgiving spirit? Are you harboring anger and wrath, which equals bitterness in your heart towards someone? They may be even sitting here. Have you sought the Lord and confessed it to Him? And desire the peace of God to umpire your heart? 
If you haven't, and if you remain in that unforgiving spirit, God says, I will not forgive you your sins either. If you're harboring that kind of unforgiving spirit, you are in the prison of bitterness. And God's torturers are with you. And the sin that you need to get over, He's not aiding you like He could because you're in the prison of that. question is, what are you going to do to make it right? Pastor, the person offended me is dead. I'm not talking about this way. I'm talking about this way. Do you have the attitude of forgiveness? And when that person comes, you'll freely give it because it's already done. If not, if not, you're disobedient. Let's pray. Father, it's texts like this that we would rather hear about David and Goliath. Or a church starting in Corinth or Colossians. We'd rather hear about the greatness of God. Because those texts may overwhelm us, but they don't necessarily challenge us sometimes. Father, we have brothers and sisters in Christ that uh, they're an irritant. And you've called us to bear with them, to be patient with them, to let it go. But others, Lord, have a complaint. They have they've sinned against us. And we've nursed this bitterness for years. And we feed it. And yet we want your forgiveness of our daily sins. Lord, I pray that your spirit will break us today. And if that kind of forgiveness needs to happen in this congregation, that you make it happen. But it may be outside of here. Father, thank you for your work of grace. Thank you for your patience and endurance with us. Thank you for being a forgiving God. And may we forgive not only as the pattern as you forgive, but because you forgave us. Do in us as you will. Praise and honor of your grace alone. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.